welcome back to another episode of Open Heart, Open Mind. I am Karina and I'm here with my amazing co-host. It's me, Caesar. <laughs> okay, now with that voice. <laughs> Today, I mean, we like to, of course, have different topics to talk about each time but today we're going to focus on a very serious matter and it's about cancer and Caesar is going to talk about um, his experience and I will be able to talk about mine so take it away I know it's a serious subject so we're trying to breathe in and breathe out because we want to get through this episode without getting too emotional so yeah, it's these are typically, typically the harder episodes to do where we were to like we'll talk about stuff that's really affected us in our lives. But my story with cancer, I am a survivor of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I would say my story with cancer started in about 2005, where I was kind of just working minimum wage and trying to survive after high school. How old were you? Dang, put my age out there. No, oh, I was like, no, I'm just kidding. Want, I'm just kidding. I, I don't care. I don't know that. You know, I don't, I'm not, anybody I don't, <laughs> <of> any age. <laughs> I don't have that insecurity. I don't care. I know that, but. I'm yeah. 65. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 no, in 05, I would have been 21. And I wasn't, that's when I first started showing like some weird symptoms. Like I would have like this weird, like I would say like a nerve pain in my ribs that would just like be so excruciating. And another side effect I had that was odd was an, an ongoing cough. and So did it start like it was a cold? Or did was, you feel like you maybe pulled a muscle? How did it feel, the pain for, from the ribs? It felt almost like a, like a bone-breaking nerve pain. Oh, wow. I was just like, I couldn't move. And I would just, I started just taking like Advils all the time because that was the only thing that would really take the pain away. And I would need one like every, I would probably take two pills like three, four times a day. Oh, wow. Because if I didn't, it would just come back and I would be in a lot of pain. But after like six or so months, maybe, you know, close to a year of that, I was like, I don't want to be on pills my yeah. whole life. So, so it was like, close to a year you were doing that? Something like that. Maybe six months to a year. I'm not sure exactly oh how. Oh, my gosh. So Without seeing a doctor. Because right. at the time... You know, you didn't have insurance or none of that. And, of course, that's, you know, back in those days. Minimum wage, seven was, and change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really scraping on by. You know, you're eating the cheapest food, just trying to get by unhealthily, no health insurance. I don't even know if it was an option. And if it was, you know, probably would have, I probably would have still been paying money. <laughs> yeah, not at that time. It wasn't as much as we have now. Mm-hmm. So, a year goes by, and another thing that I had was a persistent cough. I would always have this dry cough, no matter how hard I coughed, the week I coughed, I always had this tingling sensation in my throat. Mm. And it would be, it wouldn't be like constant, like 24 hours, but it was consistent every single day. And if I ate a lot, because, you know, I like to eat comfort food, if you're feeling yeah, like crap especially, course. I would cough to the point I would throw up the food. Oh, wow. So it wasn't even like I was nauseous or anything. I just couldn't stop just coughing. Could, yeah. And then it was like, oh, you got food right there? Let's just push this out since you're coughing so hard. Wow. So it was a lot. But that wasn't the worst of it. 
uh, it started getting bad towards the end of 2006, where when my weight started dropping drastically. The uh, thing was, well, my weight was going up. I had gained, I was weighing 200 pounds. And that's probably, I guess, a, a danger zone for my body, I guess, because mm-hmm. then I started losing it super quick. I went all the way down, I want to say, to like 150, at, at least 150, if not a little bit lighter, within like a month or two. Wow. And it was just like... That's drastic, yeah. And then people are mean too. People at work, people was like, "Hey, you probably got AIDS, man!" <laughs> Look, wow, oh man, you guys yeah, are the I mean, worst. At that age, especially, you know, the people that you knew. Oh my gosh, I can't. Especially at that time, you're like, you know, I ain't even messing with nobody. Like, you know, <laughs> that was a possibility. At least I'm having fun, about to go out, but no. <laughs> that was just so uncomfortable. I can't. But <laughs> so, really had no options. I was like, you know, I don't know what to do. Don't have any health insurance. Um, then somebody close to me was like, Hey, you know, when I got sick before I went to, um, the family, the family in Florida, I don't know what's it called. Do you know what it's called? Mm-mm. It's called the, it's like a family healthcare center. That's actually ran by the government, by the local government in I the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have like a lot of doctors volunteer their time and they go after hours. Is that the one that you're talking about? Um, I was going through during normal hours, but uh-huh. I mean, it makes sense. Or they volunteer their days. Yeah. yeah. So. Probably a day off or something yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. And I went and they didn't know what was wrong with me either. They were like, oh yeah, well, your blood is coming back really weird. Like your white blood cells are crazy high and we don't know what it is. So they pretty much pimped me out. I'm going to say <laughs> they pimped me out to different <laughs> Um, clinics that take blood and do blood work and have labs just to get like different opinions. Um, but another thing that's good about this place is they um, they go based on your income. So as of you know working not making a lot of money, the most it would cover for your um, doctor visit would be ninety percent. That's good. So yeah, to see the doctor it was like ten bucks. And, you know, they gave me, like, some shots for some other stuff. They were like, oh, you haven't had a tetanus shot in forever? Oh, you you should probably get a hepatitis C shot, too, because, you know, it's what we're vaccinating for at the time. So mm-hmm. they just it was probably, like, $5 a shot. Everything was super cheap. I was like, oh, yeah, let me just ring it all up. I got $25 to spend <laughs> on health care. <laughs> the struggle was real. <laughs> but then they also have a program above that. If they don't know what's wrong with you and they want you to see a specialist, you kind of reapply with your income again, and that they'll cover up to 100% based on your income and I qualified to get covered for a hundred percent. So they sent me to a specialist, uh, a hematologist, oncologist, I think he's both. Mm-hmm. And he was he saw me right away at that time. So they had been doing this blood work for like another month, month and a half. So at this time it had been like thirteen months. Right. Thirteen to 13, months. Yeah. Okay. And then they So you have not gotten checked until this people the, um, they were able to. It's probably like September of two oh six. Wow. I started seeing someone, and by December they they were like, "All right, here we're gonna send you to a specialist. We don't know what's wrong. It could okay. be something serious." By that time, by December, I had a my neck had swollen up. One of my lymph nodes had gotten so large that my neck was like easily an extra twenty percent wide. Like, wow. You know, when you hold the phone on your shoulder to talk, I couldn't do that anymore. My shoulder wouldn't touch my ear. Because my neck was so swollen. 
So as soon as the doctor told me, he was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's not Hodgkin's. We were like, what? He was like, oh, no, nothing. We're going to go ahead and get a biopsy so done for you. as soon as he you. saw you, he said that to you? Yeah. Like... As if he like slipped it out, but he probably but did he it on was purpose. Like, Oops, you know, let me get back to this and yeah. give him some lab work. Like, yeah. <laughs> wow. And you know, I mean, it, it was kind of a good thing. That what, what was what was said? Did you realize at that time? Yeah, I caught on to exactly what he said, and my mom caught on to it too. She was with me, and I was like, okay, he gave me something to go home and research, pretty much. Yeah. So, um. We did the biopsy. Well, first they did a um, CT scan. So I had to like drink that nasty milky liquid and they did a whole scan of my body. And then they did a removal of a lymph node, which if you don't know what a lymph node is, I believe it produces the white blood cells in your body. And it's a small gland, probably the size of a chickpea, perhaps maybe even smaller. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's got enlarged to the size of a golf ball. Wow. So it was really big. And so my first surgery was getting a lymph node removed. And they also wanted to do a bone marrow biopsy, which is lots of fun. Let me tell you, if you can get one of those done, you put it on your card at the hospital. That is awful. Um, It actually wasn't the worst thing to get done. Like, to think about it, it is bad because they're shoving a drill into your hip. And then using, like, you know, the, the grooves to collect a bone marrow sample. But they, the anesthetic, like the, the numbing agents that they put on me were so good. I only felt the pressure. pressure. It was like a vacuum cleaner was inside my hip okay. sucking it. And, like, like the, the squeezing sensation was uncomfortable. But I was texting while he was doing it. Oh, wow. And I was putting on a, a show for them, like, oh, wow, this guy's texting while getting a bone marrow biopsy. You know, I was still always laughing, still always in high spirits, still trying to, like... The, yeah, you're such a positive person. <laughs> sense, so. Entertain those around me. If they're happy, you know, it helps me be happy and... Comfort, yeah. To recycle that energy and just keep giving it back. That's good. And then, so, everything came back positive. Um, bone marrow was clean, though, which was really good, because once it gets in your bones... That's when it's really bad. And they were like, yeah, it's about three, almost stage four. And they were like, we're going to send you to um, the hospital for your first chemotherapy treatment. And everything went smooth. I went, chilled in the hospital. They put the liquids in through me. And they were like, okay, you know, since everything, you reacted well to everything, we're going to go ahead and set this up for you to go twice a month every two weeks for six months and that's what i did thankfully um i didn't have to pay for any of it just every week when i went to go get a um the treatment done i had to get like paperwork showing that it it was going to be covered okay so that was pretty much the story i went through it was it was rough there were some days where after I would get chemotherapy, I would feel, like, really sick. I would, um, my day pretty much, it was a Monday I would start. I would eat breakfast. I would have cornmeal. Everyone loves cornmeal in Hispanic households. <laughs> so something solid but not too solid to hold me down, nothing too greasy. And then I would sit there for about eight hours getting two different medicines and then... I think the first day was just all medicines, and then the next day, I would come in for just a day of IVs. They would like, they wanted to make sure that wow. 
the medicine. Two full days, eight hours each day. Yeah. They would just give me a big old bag, like a look like a two liter hanging off the um, the thing full of saline. And they would just, uh, it, so the first day after chemotherapy, it, it would be hard to eat because I'd kind of like feel off and feel nauseous. One day I did try to eat back when Moe's was actually good. I had a whole big old burrito <laughs> from Moe's. And it was, I, I couldn't hold it down. <laughs> I let it go. Let it go in the restaurant, in the bathroom, thankfully. Wow. So it was like the day after you weren't able to eat, but after... The, the that, same day I wasn't able to the eat. Eight, the same day, but then after that you will be able to hold things down. Right. Okay. And at first it was, um, it would start to get like progressively worse. Like at first I was only feeling off for like a day and then the next session I would feel off for like two days and eventually... I started feeling off for like the whole week. And I mean, that's the first time I like really had like looked to prayer for some help. Mm-hmm. So halfway through like three months in, I was like, you know, just prayed for strength to get through this easier. Um, I'm not trying to be funny. This is a true story. I was actually on the toilet when I had prayed for strength to get through this. And I swear it was a miracle where I actually did get through to it. The next time I went for a session and all the times after that, a day at the most is what I felt. Oh, wow. It went from a week feeling like crap, progressively building up to a week, to no longer having more than a day's worth of feeling Your like crap. answered. Exactly. That's so, like that. that was really, really, really good for me. And another thing, when the, the day that I did get chemo, that first Monday, I would only eat ramen noodles out the cup. That's the only thing I could hold down. Really? <laughs> I'd come home, shove it in the microwave for a minute, eat it, and pass out. I'd be home by 5.30. Before 6 o'clock, I'd be sleeping. And I would sleep the rest of the day. Wow. Until the next morning, like 8, 9 o'clock. So what, what happened with your job at that time? I ended up leaving my job. I ended up dropping out of school. Everything stopped. Everything stopped. I was able to just focus on that because the school I was going to actually messed up on the financial aid, mm-hmm. and they weren't giving me the um, the extra money that they were um, taking out in loans for me. Mm-hmm. So they're like, "Oh, we made a mistake. Here's an extra five grand." I was like, "Oh, perfect. Timing. I'm gonna live off of this." Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect timing. Some doors close, but you have to look at the positive in the worst situation and. I guess that was part of the prayers, right? <laughs> exactly. Wow. How long did it take for you to get better? So that took six months. Well, after I was done with the with the treatments, mm-hmm. after six months, everything was fine. They were like, okay, you're, you're good. You know, they did another, like, follow-up, just, like, blood work to make sure everything was normal, and I was fine. And it was gone completely. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. At least all of my blood levels were normal. Before, when it was off, they could tell, like, there's a huge thing wrong with it. I don't know if there's another way to tell, if they have to, like, do another biopsy to tell what's wrong with it, but mm. to see if it's completely gone. But it's been since 2007 is when I got diagnosed, and, and I've we're been fine. twenty one now, and you look well and healthy. <laughs> always positive, always laughing. So I am so glad that you're a survivor. Because the world wouldn't be the same without you. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I feel special. You should. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, um, we're going to conclude this episode with a very happy note. 
that, you know, you survived. <laughs> and I'm so happy that you were able to get help and they were able to help you and that the doctor caught it right away. It wasn't like another six months before they tell you, okay, this is what you have now. Or he had like guessed like, hmm, it could be this or that or that. Exactly. Like right away, he was able to hit it right on the head. Yes. But I guess the end note for this too is, you know, that was really like where I found the most gr- personal growth. Mm-hmm. Thinking like, okay, like I could be dead like in a few months. Because who knows if they even got it right? Who knows what's going on? So anything that was holding me back, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make excuses anymore for what I don't have. I'm just going to work towards getting what I want. So that was really eye-opening and, I guess, spiritually awakening for me in more than one regard. So just want people to understand that. Like, you don't need a diagnosis of cancer to tell yourself that it's time to let go of everything you, that has been holding you back that you don't have control over. You don't have control over how your parents treated you. You don't have control over your income level when you were young and where you grew up. But you do have control over where you're going in the future. You now have the cognitive dissonance to figure out if you want to go left or right. So let's hold ourselves accountable, make better choices. Yes, let's have control of our life and take the right path for it thank you for tuning in see you guys or hear you guys or hear us (laughs) (laughs) next time i'm a little emotional guys Um, (laughs) all right all right